Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Casey. Hi, my name is Casey. I'm a compulsive overeater. For those of you who know me in the room, that's not my um, real name. My name is um, a very unique name, and I choose to use my um, dog's name on speaker feed because if anyone Googles my name for work, I just don't want all the vulnerability that I share on the Internet to be out there. So that's the reason why. So um, I am a compulsive overeater. Um, so grateful to be at this meeting and um, just going to ask God to center me. Um, wow, heart is racing. And I know that the only way that I ever got any kind of um, recovery was sharing the truth. So I'm just going to ask God to help me share the truth. So let's see. Um, I was talking to my sponsor earlier and I was saying, God, I'm nervous. I'm not even sure what to share. And she started laughing and she's like, Honey, after 20 years, what you get to do is share your experience, strength, and hope. It's as simple as that. What it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So that's what I'll do. And um, so um, I want to welcome anyone who is new. Um, We had some newcomers identify. For those of you that are listening on the podcast, people got up and take chips that were new to the meeting. Welcome. I never did that when I was new. I was just terrified when I walked in. And... um, it was over 21 years ago, and I'd come in the back door, sit in the back, come in late, and leave early. And that's where it started for me. Um, so anyone who comes up and gets a newcomer chef, I'm always just so astounded that they're willing enough to be seen. So welcome. Um, just to qualify, I've um, been coming to Overeaters Anonymous for, like I said, roughly 21 years. And... Um, My top weight was, I don't know what my top weight was. Um, I can tell you my top clothing size, it was um, a size 22, 24. And I believe I binge my way up to about 230, 240 pounds. And I also can qualify as an anorexic. I've um, starved myself close to 100 pounds, and I was hospitalized for anorexia as a teenager. So I carry both sides of this disease, have both sides of this disease. I'm a hardcore food addict, and I know deep down, if I didn't have Overeaters Anonymous, if I didn't avail myself to just keep coming back, I'd be dead. There's no doubt. Um, You know, I related to what someone shared earlier about um, coming in and feeling suicidal. And um, I remember when I was new, um, you know, I came in and um, I, um, I definitely didn't have the guts to take my own life, but I was living suicidal inside. And I felt like um, by the time I got here, the food had kicked. Um, my took us so badly that I, um, you know, I really realized that um, I was at that that point where um, I could not um, do life eating the way I was eating, but I couldn't do life without the food. So it was that middle point where it was like I had to keep eating, but I didn't want to do it anymore. And I think about this image that my sponsor said that, 
she used to do, and I so relate to it, she said that, you know, when she was binging, at the very end of her binging, she'd be driving to 7-Eleven crying, going, please, I don't want to be doing this, and, and having absolutely no power of stopping that. And that's the point that I was at by the time I came in. I'll share a little bit about what it was like, and I have pictures. I, I find that photos are, are really um, um, powerful when I was new, because I needed to see physical evidence of people were a certain size and that they're not that certain size anymore. So um, uh, I started compulsively overeating around, um, I think it was age, well, I don't think, I, I remember the week. <laughs> it was age 11. And um, yeah, I was on a family trip and, um, you know, I always think that I had that, um, the ism, I come from a long line of, there are a few compulsive overeaters, but I come from a long line of alcoholics and, you know, it just transferred over uh, to food for me. So I started eating compulsively on this trip and I was a normal eater before then. I remember, um, I remember specifics about what I was eating before I was 11. I, rem I remember, I have memories because I've done so many food inventories of certain school lunches or dinners that my parents would prepare or things like that. But I always remember eating and then going back into my life. Like I never remember it taking me to the other side until I was at this age of 11. And I remember I went on this trip and I ate the entire week. I ate the entire week. And I came home, and um, I was on a trip with my dad, and I came home. My parents were divorced, and I came home to, because I was living with my mom, and I had gained 10 pounds in one week, and she just looked at me, and she couldn't believe it. She just was astounded. And um, I come from an immediate family. My, I have two sisters, um, a father and a mother, and um, all of them are somewhat normal eaters. So... Everyone was thin, and um, when I started this food thing, I just thought um, it felt like something got a hold of me, and I didn't know what that was. But what I knew was is that I just had to keep eating. So I would experience these um, wild binges, of, um, and the binges would get worse, and the isolation would get worse. And... Um, I just remember lots of times of um, staying home, pretending I was sick from school so I could eat all day. I grew up in a small town in Colorado, and um, I would um, take whatever allowance money I had and go to the supermarket. And, you know, it turned into um, volume binging and hiding out for days on end and um, buying big concoctions of, um, you know, sugar, salt, starch, combinations that um, used to make me feel very safe in a place that I didn't feel safe. I just didn't feel safe in my house for a variety of reasons. But um, So it soothed me, and it really did do the trick. It really did for, for many, many years. And I also can qualify as just like a hardcore dieter. Um, and I remember going on my first diet at age 11 after I had gained that 10 pounds, and um, I went on, like, every outlandish um, 
type of diet that I could get my hands on. And I was incredibly, I always say I was incredibly resourceful with the types of diets that were out there. <laughs> and if I was that resourceful, like in my adult life, I'd be like hugely successful. It's amazing to think about. Um, no, and so I would, um, you know, my first diet was the Scarsdale diet, and I, I lost that 10 pounds, and then um, I immediately gained 12 pounds. And then I lost that 12 pounds on the next diet, and I gained 15. You know, my experience of dieting is I'd lose the 15, I'd gain 20. I'd lose the 20 and gain 30. I'd lose the 30 and gain 50. And so that was the math equation that used to happen. And even with that evidence of years and years of doing that, I had to keep still doing it because that was my only solution that I thought would um, cure me of what I, now I know is a spiritual malady, but I didn't know that then. And so um, the food and the dieting, it got progressively worse. And, you know, in the inventories that I've done, I really realized that the reason why it got progressively worse is because it took up so much time and it, it turned into a full-time life job for me. All of the calculations, all of the compulsive dieting, all the exercising, all the calorie counting, all the numbers. I mean, that's why I'm really, like, I'm so bad with figuring out numbers in OA. Like, I just remember I never even committed to an abstinent date. I just said, okay, tax day, April 15th, because, you know, I was so tired of numbers. That's why I don't, like, weigh myself in abstinence. I know my... Um, uh, clothing size by or and what my size is by um, what um, what what my clothing is. so um, and also I don't know if I qualified this so yeah I was size 22 and and a size 2 and today in abstinence I wear anywhere between a size 8 and 10 so I'm, I'm not that size anymore but um so um yeah, so the, it, it was such a full-time job doing all that. And um, it gave me a purpose. It really gave me a purpose, doing all that dieting and all that binging. And so there was something that clicked in me because there was so much chaos in the household and there was so much going on that um, there was something in me that knew that it's almost like when we work the six and seven steps in here, like that great question in the workbook of who am I without these character defects? And it was a big thing in me on, like, who am I without my eating disorder? So to really look at the bottom line of letting this go was too scary because it was what I hung on to for so long. And um, so what happened was it got worse and worse. I ended up in my first OA meeting, um, oh, my God, like 30-plus years ago, a long time ago. And... Um, I um, had just gotten out of the hospital for anorexia, and um, yeah, it was over 30 years ago. I was I was a teenager, and um, I landed at a meeting, and there were four women in the room, and um, one woman was abstinent, and she had that light in her eyes, and she was the first person that like carried the message to me, and. She just had that thing that we see in here when you go to meetings and someone who's abstinent and has that thing, and it's not even a tangible thing. And that's, like, what I saw through her is, like, the spirit working through her. And the other three women were not abstinent and binging and talking about eating, and I bought the A12 and 12 because at the time we didn't have the OA12 and 12, 
but I was just too young, and it was too complex for me, and I had to do a lot more eating and out, out in the world and dieting until I got back there in my late 20s. And, um, you know, I always say for anyone, like when I hear that people came in as teenagers and stayed, it's astounding to me. It's astounding. It was, it felt, the simplicity of the program and the steps, um, it was too complex for me. You know, it's like what they, you know, it's like that expression of it's simple but not easy. And the simplicity, it was too complex. So, and I wasn't done. So I came back in my late 20s. I had lost my job. I was um, wearing, you know, clothes that had food stains on them. I was um, uh, just holed up at my apartment. I was insane. I was like, I couldn't stop eating. I wasn't at my top weight, but I always say I was like at my top insanity. And um, I remembered about OA. It was a friend of mine that I used to work with, and she goes, why don't we try that OA thing? So I came back to OA in here in Los Angeles, and um, uh, I was hooked. Like, the magic started to happen in the rooms. And, you know, for anyone, you know, when they say sometimes quickly, so sometimes slowly, um, it really, um, I'm a sometimes slowly. Um, I... I, I love it that we hear people's different paths in the rooms here because, you know, there's some people I hear speak that say, oh, my God, I walked into the rooms and I got abstinent on my first day. And I'm like, that's incredible because <laughs> that was not my experience. I spent a year binging in here. Um, and what I did was is the only thing I did was I came to meetings, and that's where it started. And it was a beautiful year. Because I was able to come to meetings, <coughs> be binging, and be loved by you, and not judged, and I could come here, and I could share for three minutes about what I was eating, and I'd cry, and I'd basically do a first step of my inventory of food for the last 24 hours, and then the buzzer would go off. And it was the first admission of what I was eating, like in a group of people, and I knew deep down, like, people understood what it was. And, um, like I said, like, um, it took quite a while to even open my mouth in here. I was definitely coming late, leaving early. Um, but I was here, and I kept coming back. And then after, um, I don't know, a year, I don't even know when it was, but... Um, we had a meeting in the log cabin. It was at 10 a.m. on Monday that's no longer there. And um, it was, um, you know, it was a small meeting, but it was a great meeting. And, it was, and I remember it was changeover of service positions, and someone just threw me the keys and was like, you're a secretary. So I had to come and, like, open up the door every Monday morning out of, like, a food fog. And um, so that was the next step. I did. I took a service position, and I had to be accountable for showing up here. And I got my first sponsor there. And that's when I looked at um, the next phase of where recovery started to happen. And I, I found an abstinence that's still my abstinence today, which is three meals and a snack if I need it. And... Um, I started to work the steps with her, and she was such a loving sponsor. I just remember I'd sit in the park with her and uh, work the steps with her, and she would just shower me with her truths and um, her love 
and compassion and relation. She would relate to what I was going through. And it was the first connection of one-on-one where I really didn't feel alone. And um, when when I started to work the steps with her, my experience is when the steps got bigger, the food got smaller. And um, it was amazing. It just, like, it was that magic that started to happen when um, I availed myself to the steps. And um, um, she, you know, what eventually started to happen was she she actually left L.A. or left O.A. and sought another spiritual practice. And um, I still called her my sponsor, which was a problem. She wasn't active in O.A. (laughs) And I almost went into relapse. And my um, snacks started to look sugary, and um, I started to gain some weight, and I started to get scared, and I got a new sponsor who is my sponsor today, and she brought me to a whole new level of recovery, Of um, and she just, you know, my first meeting with her, we looked at problem foods that were causing me bondage to myself and others. I mean, basically, like, I was addicted to certain food items, so, you know, I decided to add a food plan to my abstinence, and um, that was when I really um, got even deeper into the program, and she she took me through the big book, which I had never done with my first sponsor. I mean, we used to hear the big book read, and, um, you know, what I want to talk about today is there's something that just keeps um, coming back to me lately that... Um, it never grows old in the big book, and it's the, the chapter of the doctor's opinion that is the first chapter. And she said to me, she goes, read the doctor's opinion and underline everything that you can relate to. And um, I just remember going through that chapter with her and having the experience of going through a chapter in the big book with a sponsor was when it totally came alive. And, um, you know, the things that I've been talking a lot about to um, sponsees lately, too, because I have found it to be true, is, and I don't hear it talked about a lot in OA, but um, the allergy of the body and to certain food items, for example, for me, and like the physical, emotional, spiritual. And um, I was reading the big book earlier today, and, um, you know, the section that really, really talks about... um, the um, phenomenon of craving and how often it says the phenomenon of craving develops. It's almost on every page. And it um, it's really amazing because, um, you know, it says men and women drink or eat essentially because they like the effect produced by food, I'll say. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is androgynous, They cannot, time after time, differentiate the truth from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems to be the normal one. And so what I discovered was that combination of digging into the big book, and she really, like, directed me to a lot of of, uh, things that I do today, like three meetings a week, three outreach calls a day, uh, you know, um, praying before and after every meal. You know, she was like, the <coughs> opening and closing ceremonies of the Olympics. You know, it's just like, <laughs> stop before, have a moment, have your meal, and stop after. And, like, things that just became routine 
gave me a new level of sanity. And it was also that level of giving up my alcoholic foods, which I always say to people, and, you know, I was talking to um, some sponsees about this, that it was at that time when, you know, I was three years abstinent and I decided to commit to a food plan, and I gave up certain food items, and I went through 90 days of sheer health letting go of those foods. And I felt insane, and I really felt the physical addiction in what my addiction to those foods were when I gave them up. And then after I gave them up, I was free of those foods, and I haven't had to have those foods in, like, 17 years. It's unbelievable. And um, But I had to be willing to go through the 90 days of detox. And, boy, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun. Um, I couldn't be around people. All I would share about was a certain food item. And that proved to me what it says in the doctor's opinion about it being a physical addiction. Like, I was physically addicted to these foods, and until it physically left my body, which for me took 90 days, then I got a new freedom. But before that, I hadn't experienced that because I didn't have a God. I didn't have a step two. I didn't have a step three. I didn't admit powerlessness. So before, in my early life, when I was dieting, all I was doing was giving up the food item. I had no God. I had no fellowship. I had no identification. So it really, um, and it's come back to me. I mean, that's where I just love the big book coming alive. And when I remember those things, and I, and I, and I, um, I say these things really emphatically because just observing my 20th birthday in OA, which is hard to believe, it's incredibly humbling. I just stand up here and go, how did 20 years go by? And, you know, I remember when I was new and I couldn't get it and I could not relate to anyone who had five years, ten years, twenty years. I mean, that seemed out of control. And um, so I encourage the newcomer to, like, grab on to people. Like, if you're new here tonight, like, grab on to the chip takers. Grab on to someone who just got 30 days. Grab on to someone who just got 90 days. Because... Um, it's that pacing. That's what I used to do. I remember just, like, making friends with women who I was pacing with. And and it was so helpful because um, this just being a day-at-a-time program, um, that's all I have. That's all I have. It's just 24 hours at a time. So um, how much time do I have? When do we take questions? At 6.20 we take questions? 6.10. 6.10. Okay. Well, I'll just... Um, uh, you know, what I want to say, I just want to share a little bit about um, what my life is like today. Obviously, you know, I don't wear staying clothes. I don't binge all day. I'm in a normal body weight. I do have a job today. Um, I, I stand here as a happily married woman. That's, like, insane to even imagine, considering my early life. Um, you know, I mean, so much about, I'll just touch on the fact, like, so much about um, the eating was about, like, isolation from others and definitely isolation from intimacy with not only, you know, in the um, partnership way, but, you know, with friends and with myself. And so, um, you know, God, it, it's incredible to think of, like, availing myself to just keeping on showing up here and readying myself for, like, being in a healthy relationship. It's astounding to me. And um, that coupled with multiple other 12-step programs that help with that. Um, and, um, 
it's amazing. Like, you know, and I was, like, sharing with my husband earlier, like, he was so supportive of me coming here tonight. And I don't think I could be married to someone who, he's, he's a normie, by the way, and he doesn't understand this disease, but he knows that this is important for me, and he supports it, and that's so important. Because the program is so important to me. It's such a, it's like the number one on on my list. Like, everything else I'll, I'll lose without God and my higher power. So, um, that's just one of the gifts that I guess I felt compelled to share tonight. Because, like, I walked out of the house, and I'm like, wow, I have, like, a really loving partner who supports me through this. And, um, um, and you know, life happening. I'll just share briefly life happening within 20 years. You know, I went through the death of my mom, really horrendous cancer, and I got through it absolutely by, like, a, a thread. There were times during that death and dying where I just, you know, wanted to toss it out. And I didn't. The food, you know, my meals were bigger during that time. But um, to have gotten to the other side, I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't eat over that because I am on the other side. And um, so, you know, and now my husband and I are going through, you know, grave illness in his family and I get to remember that experience that like it's not worth me eating over this I'm not of service to anyone if I do that so um yeah I, I want to open it up to questions because I'd like to hear what what is in people's minds to share with me because then it feels like a communal meeting and um I'm just very very grateful and for the newcomer please keep coming back and I'm going to open it up for questions thanks Sure, I'll repeat the question. Um, the question was to talk about going through the steps in my relationship with higher power. As you were working. As I was working on. That's a wonderful question. So my relationship with a higher power started, I really believe, when I walked in the doors. Because um, when I came to meetings, I saw the higher power in your eyes and everyone in here. So that's where it started. And then um, I remember um, debating step two with my first sponsor in the park and um, feeling just totally confused of what did a God have to do with any of the stuff that I thought I needed. And um, this being a self-centered disease, <laughs> I thought I needed a lot of things, and God presented a lot of different things. Um, so... Um, Step two was really a seminal step for me of coming to believe and um, really, like, I, I reflect back on that step of doing the things like um, a want ad for my higher power and also all my doubts and my fears and um, a God box and all these things and, and that bringing me to... Um, you know, imperfectly into my daily life. Like, someone just asked me the other day, they were like, um, what was, um, they said, do you ever lose sight of your higher power? I'm like, oh, my God, like, every ten minutes. Like, I am not one of those water walkers who's, like, totally in touch with God all the time. I am so not. And, like, for me, God, like, I have to really make it a ritual of a tangible thing. And... So I have little rituals of, of my reminders of God in things. And I come to meetings and I always feel God in my heart when I walk out. And the steps, I will say, um, I don't, I'm not going to go through all the steps, but <clears throat> I have worked all 12 steps and I've worked them several times. And 
the biggest gift I think was step nine when I finally hit that and I always say that like if if you have not worked in the steps to step nine like don't leave before you do that if you think it doesn't work at least get through that and then leave if you want to leave seriously because um, that was when the promises happened and that is when I was really free and that was when I got freedom with people that are physically no longer on the planet, and they were when I did a step nine. So I'm really grateful for that. And 10, 11, 12, I work all of these very imperfectly. And um, right now I'm in the middle of a fourth step that um, is, um, you know, it's like I was reading some slogan, the only thing I do in moderation in my life is the steps. <laughs> like everything else I'm extreme about now. I'm really a slow stepper. You know, I've been in this fourth step for few years now and that's the way it's looking you know and that's okay so um but my first round with the steps in OA I got through them because I wanted to be abstinent and to keep it so thank you a daily spiritual practice um I um again this is imperfectly um the praying before and after every meal is very impactful for me um because that's where I feel I lose God the most when I am at the table and um, uh, when I wake up in the morning <coughs> you know I was told to get on my knees and say the first three steps in the serenity prayer and I also list all the things I'm powerless over and lately <coughs> the big thing that I'm feeling that I'm losing my serenity around is work mm-hmm. so when I say I'm powerless over, you know, I get on on my knees and I say I'm powerless over food, I'm powerless over this, and someone said, why don't you say you're powerless over work? It just helps me so much um, be a better worker among workers. Um, And then, um, you know, writing is a great way that I get connected with my higher power, and um, I'm horrible at it. And... um, you know, I go to a writing meeting, which I started with a dear friend in here on Monday nights, and I remember she would, she said, um, let's let's put, we started a meeting together, and she said, let's make it a writing meeting, and I was like, no, <laughs> and she was like, no, let's do that, and I'm so glad, because that's sometimes the only time I write, is once a week, so thank you, and um Anyway, so that's a great way for me to get connected with God because in my writing, I'll write everything I'm powerless over, all my fears, all my resentments, all the things I'm grateful for, and where is God in my life, you know? And that's how I, I'm reminded, like I said, I need a really tangible God, so that's it. The question is, um, I'm in a happy marriage, and how does program <coughs> lend to that? Well, um, you know, I remember... My sponsor at the time, she was like, she she suggested to me my first year of abstinence with her. I was, you know, I was already three years abstinent, but I was cleaning up my food, so I was like, it was a whole new level. And she suggested no dating for a year. And um, I did that, not for the full year, but I didn't date for nine months. And she said, the person you're going to meet after, like, a year of working together is going to be a completely different person because you're going to be a completely different person. And that was, like, probably the most helpful thing for me. And um, so um, I had to... um, I mean, that was many years ago, and I I had to experience a a few different failed relationships to get to better choices as it went on. And, um, but how program lends to that is, um, 
I mean, programs comes first. <laughs> That's why I have a happy marriage. I hope he doesn't listen to this. But um, seriously, like that, my higher power program comes first and, um, that's how I get to show up and be in a relationship because if I'm, if I'm binging, if I'm out of control, if I'm insane in the, in like self-centered fear, I can't be, um, present for anyone else, let alone me. So I think that that's the number one thing. And, um, you know, I've had to seek some other outside programs to assist in relationship stuff, but without abstinence, it would be, I'd have nothing. So that's, I guess part of the answer. <laughs> so the question was um, to speak to powerlessness and what that means to me. Um, well, I had to do a lot of experimentation of um, uh, thinking I had all power before I got to powerlessness. And it starts with the food for me where... I really thought that I had power over the food and coming from, you know, there's something in me that's a deep, deep anorexic and um, the anorexic in me is totally plays with um, the idea of power and the illusion of power. And so, um, in the illusion of power over food and my body and life and I remember like I felt what it is in reflection now I felt so powerless in my life that I had the illusion that I could have power over my body and food which led to ultimate starvation and um, it I just had it flipped around like once I kept like I'm I'm a, I'm I'll, I'll wrap this up what I have discovered is that um, I will have to try and try and try and try and I'll grind something to the ground until it doesn't work. And that's usually a commonality of those of us who come in the 12-step programs. Like, none of us come in here happy, joyous, and free and being like, I think I want to do something on a Saturday night at 5.30. Like, usually a lot of us walk in, like, broken and out of good ideas of our own. So, um... Welcome, if you feel that way. And so um, that ties into the powerlessness. Like, I um, I don't think I have a definition of what that is, but I know it in my heart. And so when I could admit it as often as possible is when I can tap into the power greater than myself. So that might be too obtuse of an answer, but um, it makes sense emotionally for me. So if you don't know you're powerless yet, just... Keep trying to be powerful, and then maybe you want to keep sticking around, <laughs> I guess. So um, my time's up. Thank you very much. And-